Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Tom Allen. We need to be prepared. God wants us to be a people who are always prepared to share the hope that is within us. Everyone who professes Christ as the forgiver of their sin and the leader of their life, we need to be ready to share that. So I want to start off today by doing a little bit of a word association thing with you, okay? So um, I'm going to say a word, and then I want you to tell me what word you think that reminds you of, okay? So let me start with, an, this is just a test, okay? This is our first little test, and that is, I'll say the word simple. What do you think of? Good, I'm glad, okay? I was afraid you'd mention my name, and so I didn't want that, okay? Um, so now, here we go with the, with the actual thing, all right? Mona. Lisa, okay, good. Uh, Super Bowl. Football, February, okay. Diet. Diet Coke. Diet plan. Someone said, yuck, I thought of miserable, you know. So, okay. Uh, sigh. Uh, Iowa State, okay. Uh, Herky. Uh, Hercules, the Hawks, okay. So, all right, let me give you another one. Apple. Apple pies, good. Uh, apple, what? Applebee's, the rest. Oh, Applebee's. <laughs> he's, he's hungry already. He's ready for lunch. So, all right. Now, let me give you another one, okay? Tell me what you think when you hear this term. Born again Christian. <laughs> Born again Christian. Okay, now, if we were to go out on the street and we were to tell people, born again Christian, what would you say after that? There'd be a lot of different answers, wouldn't there? Some people would make this kind of statements. They would say, they're just so uptight. They're so narrow-minded. They're so critical many times. They're so rigid. Maybe some would say, they keep to themselves. They, they think they're better than someone else. They're self-righteous and haughty. Others would say, those Christians I've met are so judgmental, and, and, and they use religion as a crutch to make their way through life. A lot of times, people have a very poor image if you say, born-again Christian. Others would make these kind of statements. They would say, they are full of integrity and moral courage. They are kind, and they are compassionate. If there's a need, they're generous to meet that need. They have a concern for the poor. They are humble, and they are people of inner strength. Whenever someone needs encouragement or friendship, Christians are the first to come on the scene. Now, wouldn't it be nice if that were our press? In other words, what everyone was saying about us. Let me add one other thing I'd like to hear people say about us as born-again Christians. And that is, when Christ followers talk about God, they are so clear about what they believe. They are so pumped up about their faith, and yet they're so humble. And they're so interesting as they communicate with others. Now, what we have to understand is, what, what this whole prepared series is about, is about witnessing. It's about Telling everyone who asks us a reason for the hope that we have within us and not being ashamed 
and, and being prepared to, to give an answer. And uh, we read in the Bible that there's really an offense to the gospel. I think that's the reason we find it hard to witness. Because ultimately, in our witness, we have to come to a point where we let people know that before you can receive Christ as your Savior, you have to admit, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's an offense. There's a fear that comes many times because somewhere people have to understand that before they can ever be saved. That's why 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, The message of the cross is foolish or foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. If people can't believe and we tell them the story of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, boy, for many of them, it just, it just sounds like foolishness. So that makes us afraid sometimes to share the hope that is in us. And, and the verse goes on and says, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. And so today, and especially next week, and you don't want to miss next week, because what we're going to do is be prepared to share our faith with others. What we believe and know in our hearts, this good news, this gospel of Jesus Christ, we are able to share about a resurrected Savior. And, and, and yet we're afraid many times to share our faith. So we need to know how do we share this, this simply the greatest gift that God's ever given to anyone, the gift of the good news of, of faith in Jesus Christ. So the first thing to be prepared, now next week we're going to learn how to do this. I'm going to give you some tools to use that I hope will be helpful. But today I want to give you the foundation for next week. So to, to, to be prepared to share the greatest gift anyone could, the first thing we have to do is be ready to enter into the zone of the unknown. Anytime you and I seek to build a relationship with people, we have no idea what is going to happen. Because anytime you build a relationship, you're entering into a zone of the unknown. You don't know what they're going to say to you. You don't know how they're going to accept you. You don't know whether they're going to want to be with you. We don't know that. And, and so we have to leave our comfort zone, no turning back, and we have to enter into their zone, into their life, into relationship with them. Now, I think as human beings, one of our biggest problems in doing that is that we have filters of who we want to be with. We all have them. I call them our better bees. There are filters on, on kind of guiding us who we want to be in relationship with. Let me show you some better bees, okay? They better be nice. They better be safe. They better be like me. They better be black. They better be white. They better be Spanish. They better be Republicans. They better be Democrats. They better be pro-life. They better be young. They better be old. They better be single. They better be rich. They better be cool, you know? And our list of better bees just go on and on and on. And so often we look at people and immediately we say, whether I want to be in relationship with you or I don't want to be in relationship with you because you better be this qualifier that I have. Now let me tell you 
God's qualifier. Okay? Here it is. Every person is of equal worth and value. God is no respecter of people. And he wants us to have that same heart, that same deep passion for people that he had. And this really hit me because last week we were in Austin with our son and daughter-in-law. And we were going to dinner, and it was down in the main part of Austin there where they got some cool things, some music and stuff. And we were walking past a warehouse, and in the door of that warehouse was um, a, a pitiful man. He was kind of writhing around. It was cold. It never gets cold in Austin. It was in the 50s. You know, that's cold for them. And uh, it was cold that night, and he was there, and he had a piece of cardboard over him, and, and he was mumbling and kind of writhing around. And uh, as I was going over this message, uh, even this morning again, it was brought back to my mind, and, and, and at the end of our lesson today, you're going to see a video where a guy takes a, a sandwich and something else to a, a person who's really, really uh, homeless and hurting. And I thought to myself, you know what we did as we were walking down that street? We were going to a nice dinner at a, a nice place. I walked around. I looked, and I felt bad, and went right on to my restaurant and ate my dinner. And, and I really don't know what you do. Nobody knows how to help all these people. I've been with Andy Bales, who's head of the largest mission in, in, the, in the country. It's in Los Angeles. And, and he is a very dear friend of mine, used to be on our staff at First Federated Church. And, and he took us all through the mission. They minister to 1,000 people every day there in that place. But there's like 30,000, 40,000 homeless people all around him. And, and he was walking on the streets, and he got some of this flesh-eating disease and lost his foot because of it. And... Uh, no one seems to know what to do about that, but I will tell you that Jesus Christ would look at that man. I didn't. I looked at him and I walked around. And Jesus Christ would have looked at him and I believe he would have gone over and he would have knelt down and he would have gone and bought him a, something to eat. Because every person is of equal worth and value. Every person. So I'm confessing to you a wrong in my life, maybe not even because I didn't feed him, because I don't know how you feed everybody that's homeless, to be honest with you, but because I'm not sure I cared. I'm not really sure I cared. And uh, that should break our hearts because that's what broke Jesus' heart. Everywhere he went, when he saw people in need, man, that turned him on because he wanted to get involved in their lives and help them and be there and, and, and let them know the truth that could set them free, but also to meet their need right there in their hurting, which is one of the best witnesses there can be. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, tells us what is to be our attitude. Boy, is this powerful. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Now, Jesus is speaking, and he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Wait a minute. In the Jewish scriptures, there's ten commandments. Aren't those the important ones? Yeah? 
All those that we learn and put on monuments and, and put in our public parks and think are so important, aren't those the important ones? And then the Jews added another 603, so they had 613 laws. Aren't those the important ones? They're in the Old Testament. Aren't those important? And then Jesus comes along in the New Testament, and he pulls some words out of the Old Testament, and he says the Old Covenant portion of the Scriptures. And he, here in this New Covenant, this new time that's happening, he says, I've got a great commandment for you. Love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and we say, oh, that's the great commandment. And, and it is. Jesus said so. But now in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus comes along and he says, I'm going to summarize everything I'll ever say and everything you'll ever read and everything you need to believe. I'm going to summarize it in one commandment. I give you a new commandment, he said. Here it is. Love each other. Can you imagine what this world would be like if for one day we loved each other? All of the animosity and all of the hatred and all of the unforgiveness and all of the bitterness and all of the evil and all of the war and all that would stop. If we looked at another person and saw them the way God sees them, every person is of equal worth and value to God. Jesus said, here's the new commandment. Here's just one. If you do this, you've done everything. Love each other. And then he goes on, and he says, here's the way you're to love, and here's your reason for loving Love each other. Why? Why should we do that, Jesus? Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. How did he love us? <laughs> he loved us no matter who we were or what we were, what we'd done or what we'd been. He looked at us and he loved us and he had compassion for us. And he said, every one of you are of equal value and worth to me, so much so that I'm going to give my life. And the Bible says greater love has no one than that they lay down their life for someone else. And he died for us to pay the penalty for our sinfulness so that we might be forgiven through faith in him and have the hope of being secure with the Lord forever in his place. And then Jesus adds even more to it. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world <laughs> that you are my disciples. Do you know how this world will give us good press? Do you know how this world will say you and I are truly born again Christians? There's something different about those people. It's if we, if we genuinely love one another. And when the world sees people loving one another, man, they say, those people have got something I don't have. That's exactly what happened in the New Testament church. That's the reason they turned the world upside down is because the people looked at them and they saw how they cared for each other and they saw how they loved each other and they saw how they were in relationship with each other and, and 
And all of a sudden, they started saying, man, how those people love each other. Changed the world. That's how the world knows we're disciples. But you see, we can't do that if we don't enter into the zone of the unknown. You know why I didn't feed that guy? Because there was a lot of unknowns. First of all, we had a reservation at the restaurant. Had to keep our reservation, you know. We might lose it. Might not get to eat. And boy, we need to eat, don't we? But secondly, I didn't know what would happen if I entered into that zone. I might get uh, a disease. He might uh, fight me. Uh, he might not like me. I don't know. So, so you know what I did? <laughs> I walked right around. Developing relationships means we act on an attitude that says, and this is so key, I wanted it to be up on the screen. Okay? Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you believe life is all about, I'm open to accepting you, listening to you, knowing you, journeying with you, faithfully loving you, and caring about you. Let me ask you, when you meet people, is that your attitude? <laughs> is that my attitude? Now, we can't do it with everybody because we're not God. God loved the world. We can love, though, the people he brings into our world. And every time he brings someone into our world, he says, I want you to love them just the way I have loved you. And that's how he loved us. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you believe life is all about, I am open to accepting you and loving you and listening to you and knowing you and journeying with you and faithfully loving you and caring about you. That's the way he wants us to live. Now, that's the only way we'll ever enter into the zone of the unknown. And that's the reason that two-thirds, three-fourths, four-fifths of the cities separated from God in sin is because those of us who are professing Christ as Savior are so often afraid to get in, to leave our comfort zone and to go into their zone of the unknown. We'll never be prepared if, first of all, we're not willing to do that. So first of all, there's the zone of the unknown. The second thing is this, and these go a little faster, not too much, but We have to listen for the Spirit's promptings. Got to listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings. You see, you and I can't witness to everybody. We can't get in everybody's life. We can't get involved in everybody's life. So what we have to do each day is be saying, Lord, who do you want me to, who do you want to use my life in today? Whose life do you want me to be? Whose lives do you want me to be involved in today? Matthew 5.13 just challenges the heck out of us. He says this, You are the salt of the earth. Huh. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? The word flavor is savor or savorous, savoriness. In other words, 
Salt makes things tasty, and salt makes us thirsty. And he says, you're to be the, the, the salt of this earth, that when people are around you, they get hungry for whatever you've got. And, and when people are around you and they hear that hope that's within you, it starts making them thirsty for that living water that somehow is just giving, quenching your thirst. They want that. So he says, can you? He says, you're the salt. But if you lose your savor, if, if you and I aren't salty, if we aren't, uh, you know, people that make people hungry for God and, and thirsty for his love, then he says, can you make it salty again? He says, I'll tell you, it's like you're just thrown out and trampled underfoot or worthless. You know what they did with salt that lost its savor in New Testament times? They used it. The only thing they could do with it was throw it on the ground so that it would keep the paths clean. But that was it. It was no good for anything else. Just throw it out. Walk on it. To affect anything, salt needs to have proximity. You have to get salt on something if it's going to affect it. And we can be the strongest salt in the world, but if we aren't getting involved in other people's lives, if we aren't listening for God to, to prompt us to go and be involved in someone's life, then yeah, we're not salty. That salt's no good. It has no flavor or seasoning to it. Here's how it works. You'll, you'll be standing in a room, and your heart will be praying, God... Is there someone in this place that you might want to have me in relationship with or at least talk to them? And it's not all the time, but, but sometimes by God's grace, if you commit yourself to being salty in the world and you get some proximity to people who need God's grace, not just hanging around with Christians all the time, but you're involving yourself in the world around people who need to know what we know, and if you're listening for the Spirit's prompting, then you can say with confidence, all right, I'll walk. And often God will have someone right there for us. I remember one day in the mail, I got this little booklet. You know, one of these little booklets, they're about this high, about like that, you know, and you open them up and had a bunch of pages in it. It was the first seven chapters of Rick Warren's book called Purpose Driven Life. And I got it in the mail, and I thought, well, isn't that nice? I'd already read the book, so I didn't even look at it. I just stuck it in a folder that I have that I take when I go to meetings and stuff. And I stuck it in there and didn't even think about it. The next day, I had lunch with a person. And uh, as we were having lunch, I had known this person for a couple of lunches. We were working on some things, but that person didn't even probably know that I was a Christian because I hadn't pushed it in any way. This third time as we were having lunch, I, I, I prayed, Lord God, uh, if you want me at some point here to talk to this person about you, I want to do that. And, and if there's some way that you could maybe open the door, because I don't want to push you on this person, because I don't think they'll like that. Would you open the door? And I was just listening for the promptings of the Spirit. Right in the middle of the meal, the guy he just looked up and he said to me, he said, you know, Tom, I just don't know what my purpose in life is. <laughs> and I thought, oh, God, you know, <laughs> what a God you are. 
And so I pulled out the little booklet that I just happened to have. And I said, you know what? This is just a few chapters of a book that's really meant a lot to me. You might like it. He said, yeah, I'll take it. I said, if you'll read it and call me back, because I always have people call me back rather than saying, I'll call you. I want them to call me because then they want to meet. Uh, and so I said, if you'll call me back, uh, we'll talk. Within five days, he called me back. He said, I've read this thing through twice. And he said, I want to talk. <laughs> and within just a short period of time, he had prayed and asked Christ to come into his life and be his savior. And he's been a very dear friend ever since that day. Um, I experienced that in college when I was working in the steel mills, trying to build relationships with people all the time. And just talking about, you know, who cares what. And uh, I remember Larry Childers. And one day, we had talked, built a relationship. He started something that was enabled us to talk about Christ. And there by a forklift, he prayed and asked Christ into his life. I remember Ed Karchinski, another guy at the steel mills that I'd built some kind of working relationship with. And, 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 and one day after we'd done the graveyard shift from 11 to 7, we were off. And I said, hey, let's wash our cars together. And so we went to the car wash, and we washed our cars. And as, after we dried them off, we kind of leaned up against the hood, and we're talking a little bit. And, uh, and uh, Ed received Christ as his Savior. And, you know, it, hey, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. The fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. And, and we're all laborers. So the, really, the laborers aren't so few. It's just the laborers aren't laboring. You know? We're not being salty. And we may not be evangelistic superstars, the little Billy Grahams. We may not be that. But we can all learn to think about and pray for and build relationships with and get salty with and witness to people who are far from God. We can all do that. And that's what God wants but God says the only way we'll ever be a witness is get into the zone of the unknown, leave our comfort zone, zone of the unknown, listen for the Spirit's promptings. And then the final thing, and I'll just close this off, is we walk. You just walk. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And if you want to read about that walk, it's in Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. It is so cool. But we're not going to look at it for time's sake. But let me tell you what happened. God loved the world and he said, I'm going to go down. I'm going to take a walk. My son's going to take a walk. And he's going to walk down there and he's going to be like them. He's going to live with them. He's going to show them how to live their lives. Then he's going to die and he's going to pay the penalty for their sins and be buried. And then he's going to be resurrected so that anyone who believes in him can have life for eternity with God. That's why we walk across the street, across the office, across the restaurant, across the world. That's why we walk. Because Jesus walked for us. And he says, now, just as I have loved you, <laughs> that's the model for you to love others. And when we're open to that and available, there's no limit to what God can do. Here's what Jesus said. Now I give you 
a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's how we're prepared. That kind of love flowing in our hearts next week, we'll learn how to share it with others. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our Simple Church family, you can visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our simple.church app.